Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the group's resident here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. And so whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by his word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in him. Good to see all of you. Just thanks for braving the weather this morning and the roads. It's just good to have you uh, here in person as well as you. If you're joining and watching online, uh, even if you're at home or you're with family or spouse or significant other, it's just good to have you, uh, even if this isn't your normal place or mode uh, of worship on a Sunday morning. Uh, there's so much irony in the book that we're actually studying together. So we kicked off this brand new series all about Jonah last week, and we're kind of taking this in really small chunks going throughout uh, Uh, just the four chapters that the book is. And so what's funny in the irony, just if it continues for today, is we focused on three verses last week, and then today we start verse four, and believe it or not, the entire topic is storms. Go figure. So for us, it's kind of funny. It's like, all right, Lord, this is cool. This is kind of a hand-in-glove type of fit. And so here's what I want to say to all of you. Uh, If you are in a storm right now, uh, aka a snowstorm outside, but even if you're in a different type of storm, Maybe it's a storm of anxiety that's already crept up on you this year. Maybe it's a storm that's relational. Maybe it's in your marriage or something going on in your family. Maybe it's a work-related storm that there's a challenge or a hardship or something that's not good or not right in that part of your world. Maybe, maybe it's a, a financial storm. Maybe it's uh, an emotional one. Maybe it's an addictive one. Whatever type of storm you find yourself in right now, I think today's story The passage that we're going to look at today, I think it's actually going to speak to that specific issue for you. Uh, Have you ever heard the phrase, calm before the storm? That's kind of where we left off last week. Uh, is what God did is God called, he invited his prophet Jonah. I like how we said it in the, the video, the less than perfect prophet. Uh, if there was a list of just high quality and then maybe low quality prophets all throughout scripture, Jonah would be towards the bottom of that list. He would not be a high quality prophet. He's one that was known for his anger and his frustration, for his judgment. Uh, and then in, in particular, what we saw last week was his rebellion. Uh, his refusal to do what God actually asked him to do. So if that's Jonah, there's, there's this piece where God invited Jonah to go to a people group in a country that he hated, and Jonah refused. And so he went in the opposite direction, and he found himself in the calm before the storm, much like my story this last week on Friday. Uh, I have a ton of empathy for all the parents in the room with school-age kids. Uh, I know it firsthand what it's been like having your kid for two weeks of Christmas and New Year's, and you're craving and looking forward to the day they go back. So to have a week, right, of three snow days, the first week back uh, is painful. But here's the thing. What I noticed on Friday is the snow day. I'm enduring my child all day long, and I'm waiting for the snow to come, waiting for the amount that many of you drove through today, what you're looking outside your window. As I waited and waited and waited, 8 o'clock, no snow. 10 o'clock, no snow. 12 o'clock, no snow. 2 o'clock was the first sign of these nice little glittering, soft, easy snowflakes. For me, this is a perfect picture of of the place in the story that we're actually at with Jonah. We know the storm's coming. We've prepared for it. The news has convinced us that we need canned goods and four-wheel drive, and we just need to ride this thing out. We're waiting 
for something to happen. That's literally where we're at in the passage today as we're focused on Jonah. So let's read it. Let's see what storm Jonah encounters in this passage. Jonah chapter one, verse four, it says, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and they threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. So Jonah, God called Jonah to go to Nineveh, which was 550 miles to the Northeast. Jonah instead runs straight West. He gets on a board, he pays the fare. He's sailing to this far off land. And in his mind, it is as far away from God and from the place that God called him to go as possible. And so he gets on the ship and the ship leaves the port and they find themselves very shortly thereafter encountering a storm that is rough. It's no ordinary storm. The waves are crashing over the side, the boom of the thunder relentlessly over and over, the pelting rain and the brisk cold. I mean, I picture like deadliest catch. You picture those boats in the midst of the storm, the sailors, the professional sailors who do this for a living, who have endured storm after storm after storm are terrified. Terrified that they're throwing things overboard to lighten the ship. Terrified that they're, they're doing everything they can to manage the chaos that is ensuing. Terrified to the point that the text even says it's fearing for their lives. They shouted to their gods for help. You know what that, that phrase could be short for? Prayer. They're terrified. They're at the point where they're praying to anything, anybody, any of their gods that don't exist, that they've never heard from, that they've built up in their mind. Maybe this God can save me. Or I'm gonna pray to the God of the rain or pray to the God of the weather or pray to the God. But they all know that there's this guy on board who's a prophet whose name is Jonah who has said, I'm running from my God. Here they are all freaking out about the chaos of the storm. And where is our friend Jonah. Well, if we read the next part of the passage here, 5b, it says, but all this time Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up. And then he says, this, pray to your God. They know he has a God. They know he's running from his God. The captain comes down and he says, pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. If, if I could give you a picture to show you what the scene actually looks like with the boat that Jonah was likely on, what I would show you is this picture right here. It probably looks something like this. It's not a huge ship. It's not a huge vessel. It's powered by and steered by a bunch of sailors who would have an oar and they would row together in unison. So imagine the chaos that is ensuing above deck. It's almost indicative of the way that some of us respond to storms, isn't it? If you're above deck, maybe you're one that, that takes control, that takes ownership, that steps in, that maybe your first inclination is to panic on the first sign of trouble all around the top of this boat and then this next picture here, all around all of these sailors. You can imagine the chaos that's ensuing with all of these people trying to work together, trying to coordinate, trying to solve a problem that is far bigger than themselves. But there's something about this storm that tells them it's more than just weather. It's why they're, they're not just solving the, the physical part. What they're trying to solve is the spiritual piece. There's, there's something more to this storm than any other storm that they've experienced in the past. So where's Jonah in the midst of all of this? 
below deck, hidden, withdrawn, asleep. It almost juxtaposes the opposite side of the way that many of us also handle storms or trials or hardships. If, if Jonah was a turtle, he'd be inside of his shell at this point. Withdrawn, hidden, shut down, exhausted, asleep. Isn't it interesting that in this passage, just in a few verses, it articulates kind of two polar ways of handling the storms of life. Sometimes we engage and we throw all of our energy and all of our effort and we rally as a team and we try to figure out how do we solve this as fast as possible. We make drastic decisions and we, we try to save what we can in our own power. But then at the same time, there are some of the same of us or some others of us. Maybe you're married to them. Maybe they're in your family. Maybe it's you just given the storm or the situation that we shut down completely. We try to disengage. We try to hide from it. We, we try to wait. And, and maybe the thinking or the rationale is this. Maybe if I can just weather this storm a little bit longer, the storm will pass and I will be okay. Which one are you more likely to drift towards? Are you a solver? Do you dive in? Do you panic? Do you freak out? Do you, do you address it? Do you hit it head on? Maybe it's small and you hit it hard and you hit it fast, as fast as possible so that this doesn't grow into anything bigger. And you use your power, you use your strength, you use your experience, you use your position, you use your resources to solve it in your own power. Or are you on the opposite side that when a storm shows up, when something starts getting rocky and it's chaotic and it's unknown, are you one that shrinks back, that disappears, that gets quiet, that shuts down? It's interesting how the same storm can produce totally different responses from people. What's your storm? Which character are you in the story right now? How are you responding? What's so funny is we, we often forget this, that, that God brought about this storm. It doesn't mean God brings about every storm. But I think God uses every storm that exists to draw people to himself. Carol Ann, uh, who was leading worship here just a couple minutes ago, uh, led us in a Devo this morning just as a team. And, and as she prayed, it was so interesting. What she prayed was, you know, God, whatever it is that you've set up the environment for today for all of us, maybe it's for you here in the room, or maybe it's you watching in line, God, God maybe you've positioned us in a unique way today to, to put on display your power. Maybe we're at home and we're in the comfort of our own home right now and it's a refuge and it's safe and it's warm and it's surrounded by the people that you love. You're, you're close right now or maybe you're by yourself right now or maybe, maybe you're with just one or two other people. You're with friends or you're watching because you're at work on a break, whatever it is. Maybe God has created the environment for you to engage with him right now in a totally different way than you would have normally functioned on a Sunday morning. Maybe for the rest of you today, God's positioned you in a totally different way as well. Maybe if you're here in person, maybe you didn't have to fight traffic like you normally would. Maybe you got space in the seats. Maybe you're just in a different mindset. Maybe you're off already for work tomorrow. Maybe God's created an avenue and, and an opportunity to connect with you in a totally different way right now, just like he did with Jonah and the sailors. There was this big storm and the response was left in the hands of the people to decide what are they going to do in the midst of the storm. 
the sailors and the captain and everybody else, they run to prayer. They ask for God to intervene. They're praying like, please save us from this storm. Jonah does none of that. But here's what's interesting about a storm. If we would just pause and reflect and look at whatever it is that we're in right now, whatever storm and the level playing field today is, all of us are in the midst of a snowstorm right now. But I bet all of us are also in some other type of storm in our lives. The thing about storms is storms often reveal what's going on underneath. They often reveal something that maybe we're ignorant to, maybe we're unaware of, Maybe we're avoiding, maybe we're running from. Storms often reveal something that's going on under the surface. God has this incredible ability to use some of the darkest times of life, hardest times of life, broken times of life, painful parts of life. God has this incredible, unique ability to take the storms of our lives and draw us to himself in the process. We see it on display with the sailors. We also see the same invitation for Jonah, yet at this point, he hasn't taken it. If I look at my own life, uh, it's so funny. I was looking at the last maybe 10 years, and I'm trying to look at large storms, things that were hard, things that were difficult, significant losses or pain, significant moments or days or seasons of anxiety or fear or loneliness or depression. As I look at the last 10 years of my life, the ups and downs of life, as I look at those, what's funny is about every single one of them, and all of those I'm sure you could relate to on some level, every single one of those, I, I always feel this moment or this peace, or this invitation from God in the midst of it. And it goes like this. Do you want to bring that to me? When I slow down enough to hear it, to internalize it, to reflect on it, when I pause and actually allow the Holy Spirit to speak in the midst of a storm, what I always hear is an invitation to bring that to him. Here's the problem. I often don't want to. As much as I want to say, man, I, I feel like the, the sailors, like when it's chaotic and crazy and painful, I just say, God, I need you. And I throw up a quick prayer, but, but do I actually want him? Usually I look at a storm and say, I think I can solve this in my own power. I think I could solve this with my own strength. I think I could solve this with my own experience or my own leadership or my own resources or my own emotions or my own energy. I think I can solve this on my own. God, I'll come to you if I exhaust all other options. But God has this incredible way of using storms to draw people to himself. Every single storm, I can pinpoint there's a moment. There was a, a time where I felt like God said, maybe it was through a person or a sermon, maybe it was through his word, reading the Bible, maybe it was a devotional, something out of the blue. There's always this invitation from God. Do you want to bring that to me? What about a storm of our own causing? This is the piece where like, as I look at Jonah, Jonah becomes really real to me. You ever had a resistance to bringing a storm to God that was your creating? 
I did this. I wronged that person. Or, or I stole from them. Or I was the one that got fired. Or I was the one that was unfaithful in the relationship. Or I was the one that blew up. Or I was the one. Do you ever have something where you can look at whatever storm was created and say, I did that. I created that. How excited are you about bringing that back to God? Tell you what, if there's a moment where I have the most aversion to coming to God, it's when I can acknowledge there is a storm that I have created and now I'm stuck. Here's some of the stuff that goes through my head. Surely God will ignore that prayer. Surely he'll ignore that plea. Surely I am on my own. It is my job to fix it. I broke it. Now I'm responsible for it. Can you relate to any of that at all? Jonah is a real person. He's a real character. And just as much as the story teaches us about the storms of life, teaches us about people and how we often respond, we also have to remember that this storm and this story is about God, about the role that God plays, about the role that God desires to play, not just in the life of those that already know him, but also in the lives of all people. See, if Jonah would have slowed down for a second in the midst of this, if he wouldn't have just shut down and disappeared into the depths of the boat, if he would have paused and reflected and asked the question, how did I get here? I think Jonah's eyes would have been illuminated to things that he didn't want to see. You'd see the hatred that he has underneath for a people group that he's likely never talked to. He'd see the anger that he has that's not just directed at God, but it's directed at people who have hurt him and hurt his people. Maybe what he would see is pain, brokenness, sadness, maybe addiction, maybe rebellion, maybe, maybe entitlement. If Jonah would have paused and reflected back on his life and asked the question, how did I get here. I wonder if his eyes would have been illuminated because storms have this uncanny ability to show us things that are underneath the surface. Can you imagine how many wars we wouldn't have to fight or the division that wouldn't have to exist or the brokenness that wouldn't have to be created or the pain that wouldn't have to be perpetuated, not just in our lives or in our families or in our culture or in our world. Can you imagine what we could be spared from if we would simply pause and reflect and say, God, what is it that you are trying to do inside of me in this storm? I'm open. Show me. What would we be spared of as a people? The purpose of this storm, which is so funny, on a day that we have a big storm, the, the purpose of this storm for Jonah, just as much as it was for the rest of the sailors and characters involved, just as much as it was for Nineveh, was God was giving an invitation to repent. That's what he was after. If you read the first three verses of Jonah chapter one, it says twice, Jonah was running from the Lord. If you look at the passages we just read, the sailors are calling on other gods. If you look at how it describes Nineveh, the people of Nineveh were chasing evil and wickedness 
rather than God. God continues to show up, continues to provide an opportunity, and he invites people to turn back to him. What's so cool about God is God even uses storms to draw people to himself. What storm are you in right now? Not just snow, not just weather. What storm are you in right now in your mind, in your heart, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your family, in your workplace? What feels like a storm? Is it possible that God is inviting you to move towards him? If you don't know what the word repent means, it's a churchy word. Uh, it literally means to change direction. So if I'm walking in this direction, repentance means to stop and then to turn in the opposite direction and move back. What God's looking for from Jonah here is a turn. It's a change of heart. It's a change of heart posture that Jonah no longer is the prophet of God that runs from God, but the prophet that runs to God and invites others to do the same. What God's after is a repentant heart because what he can do with a repentant heart is unlimited. But a cold heart, a rebellious heart, a stubborn heart removes itself from what God maybe desires to do and to bring about in the process. Here's what I love about Jonah. If I can just be real. What I love about Jonah, what I love about this book is God continues to give time after time after time. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Grace after grace after grace. God continues to invite people to himself, but what he looks for is a change of direction. If we continue the story, this is how it continues to unfold. It says, and since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, so the sailors asked Jonah, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Jonah emerges from the bowels of the ship, and he comes before everybody, and he goes, guys, it's my fault. You know I'm a prophet. You know I serve the Lord uh, most high. In fact, what the sailors did is they cast lots. So it's like they roll dice, and they go, okay, the gods, whatever, show us who is responsible. And every time they did it, it kept falling on Jonah. So they go, well, this guy's a prophet. This guy says he knows the Lord. This guy says he's running from the Lord. And Jonah walks up and he goes, but you're right. You're right. It's all my fault. This, this is why the storm is happening. This is why your lives are at risk right now. It's because of my decisions, my rebellion, my running from God. Notice he takes responsibility for the storm. But, but can you spot the change of direction? Can you see the change of heart? You see the change of direction. Where, where in this part does Jonah go, and I need to repent right now. I confess. This is where I've sinned. This is where I've wronged. This is it. Jonah does none of that. Jonah acknowledges the facts of the situation. The storm is all my fault, and if you want to solve the storm, throw me into the sea. And he stands. It's as if he's resolved to the fact, I would rather die and soften my heart. 
It's a really interesting moment. So what do they do? If you read the rest of it. Instead, the sailors rode even harder to get to the ship, to get the ship to land. But the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to who? To the Lord Jonah's God. Wow. It's a powerful pivot of the story. That the ones who once called on a God that was their own, a God of their choosing, a God of their making, a God that did not exist. There's a moment where Jonah's attention turned, or, or from the sailor's attention that turned from their own gods to the Lord, the God Almighty, Yahweh, Jonah's God. There's a moment where they turned and this is their prayer. Oh Lord, don't make us die for this man's sin. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Continues, oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Do you notice the heart posture in this prayer? It's submissive, it's turning. They're looking to the Lord Jonah's God, they're making him their God. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and they threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. The sailors couldn't believe it. Now this God was real. This God was true. This God was right. This God was just that this God had hurled a powerful wind upon the sea to call one of his own back to him. And in the process, God calls all of these other sailors. The ones who get hope in this story are the sailors characters, the ones who actually receive peace and hope and grace and forgiveness, the ones who actually walk away now knowing who the true God is, is them because of their change in heart posture. And Jonah gets thrown into the sea and the sea becomes quiet. They know if we were right. This was way more than just weather. This was an opportunity that God was giving his people to Everybody took it, except Jonah. So what will you do? What will you do in the midst of that storm, of the storm you're living in right now? Will you direct your attention upon God? Will you repent? Will you move towards him? Will you open up your heart and allow him to stir and move and convict and minister and draw and, and bring right? Will, will you do that or will, will your heart remain calloused? hard, resentful, angry, and resistant. Balls in your court. God can even use storms to draw people to himself. Every storm God is over. Every storm submits to him. Why did Jonah have to be thrown into the sea? It's a question I always wrestled with here in this why, why did Jonah have to get chucked? Why, why did he get thrown overboard? And here's the reason. We've said it a couple of times now. Because the, the book of Jonah and the story of Jonah's life is actually not about Jonah. It's about God. That Jonah actually points us to Jesus. Some incredible comparisons if you look at it. Jonah turned away from God. And he ran from him. But if you look at Jesus, 
Jesus, even on the night that he was betrayed by his own disciples, does not run from God, does not run from what God is calling him to do. He submits to God fully, yielding to him. Jonah, his sacrifice to be thrown overboard was because of his own sin. But Jesus, the sacrifice that he made was because of our sin. That's what drove him to the cross. That's what drove him to make the ultimate sacrifice. No, no wrongdoing from him. It was us. Jonah was thrown overboard to resolve a physical storm. It was weather and sea and waves. Jesus endured the cross and he suffered and he died hanging there to resolve the deepest most significant, most violent storm that you and I live every single day, and it's a result of sin and death. Jesus brought resolution to that storm. Where Jonah failed, Jesus succeeded. Jesus is the true and better Jonah. So here's the question that all of us have to reconcile. And today, maybe you're not in in a storm that feels like it's rocking you at the core of the foundation, but today all of us are in the midst of a snowstorm, aren't we? All of us are in the midst of some kind of storm right now. God is inviting us as his people to do the exact same thing that he invited Jonah and the sailors. And what we will also see is those that are in Nineveh, those that are wicked, those that are ignorant, those that are chasing whatever, those that have no idea what's going on but find themselves in the midst of a storm. God invites all of us to come to him and to repent. So let me just ask you this question. Neutral playing ground for all of us. Is there anything you need to repent of? Maybe that's why we're here today. That's why we're watching online today in a totally different format. Because God wants to do something inside of you, in your life, in your marriage, maybe in this church, maybe in our country, maybe in our world. And it starts with repentance. As we close out this time, here's what I want to invite you to do. I just want you to sit kneel, maybe open your hands. We we talk about a lot using your body as a demonstration of your heart's posture to open your heart, open your hands, open your mind, open yourself up to the correction of the Holy Spirit. If you want to come forward, you can come up to this stage at any point in the next two songs. If you just need to do some business with God and just get real and just go, God, this is what I need to own. I just want to invite this. This this is his house. This is his stage. This is his stage. I just want to invite you to the same table that we've all been invited to. If it means staying at your seat or spreading out, if it means worshiping and singing and standing, or if it's kneeling or prostrating or confessing, whatever it is that you need to do that sets the table for repentance, I just want to invite you to do it. Because he's inviting me to do the exact same thing. So as we close with that, the final verse, I just want to read over you pray for us as we do that is this. It's out of 1 John 1 verse 9. But if we confess our sins to him, talking about God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us 
from all wickedness. That's God's desire. The question is, how will you respond? So let's pray together. God, we just come before you right now. And uh, all of us have something, God. All of us have something in our lives that we need to confess. All of us have something in our lives that we need to repent of. God, maybe we did not come in today thinking, I know what that thing is. I know what it is. I know the storm I'm in. Maybe, maybe a lot of us came in just hoping for a little bit of peace. Hoping to sing some good songs or to, to learn something new in your word. And maybe, God, what you intend to do is to use this and to use what you've created. Maybe it's in the comfort of our own homes. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's driving. Maybe it's here. Maybe you've just created this opportunity so that you could speak into something that's broken. That's not right. Just like Jonah as an invitation to come back to you. I just pray right now through your Holy Spirit that you would just touch that that you would illuminate it, that you'd shine a light on the thing that you intend to resolve inside of us today through repentance. We trust you because you're a good God. You love us. You promise us grace, peace, hope, and forgiveness. So it's in light of those promises that we bring what we need to repent of to you, Jesus. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.